72 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am your host, Paul Spore. This is the Thursday edition. I'm joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going today? Good. Good. Yeah, it's almost the weekend, and uh, as my, <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's only like three or four more Fridays left of the season. And my wife is like, only? Oh, <laughs> I, I feel your way, of course. Only. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, we are going into an extended weekend, at least, Labor Day weekend. I mean... I can't believe it's September on the calendar already. That's that's so ridiculous to me. I'm I'm just not pleased with it. I'm I'm coming to grips with it as the season wind down, winds down, especially with my Tigers being out of it. That's, that's I know, the biggest and bummer. Really, and really, there's got to be a lot of people who feel your way. There there are. There, I think there's one race in baseball. Maybe I mean I don't want to be have hubris. The Mets Nationals. It, you know, there's some possibility. It can, there, but. it can flip on a dime. Right now, it's not a race, but I think you fully understand. That it can yeah. flip on a dime, you know. They, they and, the, and the, even the the Giants still have three games with the Dodgers, so if they can get it to within three, there's sure always all, an outside all chance. All the NL ones are six or six and a half, so they're in screaming distance. They're not they're not done by any stretch, but uh, those are comfortable it's, it's, it's leads. Uh, and you know, in terms of in terms of per, percentages, I looked today, and there are only two teams in baseball that have uh, either less than 90, 95% chance or more than 20% chance. So basically, there's only two teams oh, wow. that are in the middle, and that's Twins Rangers. Wow. That's, that's crazy. So like, if you really want to talk about edge of your seat, um, sort of, you know, actual, you know, real, um, you know, real race, that's, that's Twins and Rangers. And uh, you know, I put it in the context of where the hell is Jose Barrios? Right? I still don't understand it. They keep calling in and hanging on, and, they, <laughs> and he's still not called up. It's crazy. And, you know, Toronto and New York fans will still say, obviously, that's a very close race, and uh, we both agree, but the, the, the loser is still going to the playoffs. So in terms of making the playoffs, which is really where the intensity of the race is, it, uh, lies, you know, whether you're in or out – that's why, even though it's a game and a half and New York's still very much in it, um, it, it's not going to be an edge of your seat kind of race, which is what you're talking about. So yeah, it's it's just an odd. Barrios just kills me because it, if you call up you call up Buxton and Sano, and so you're starting their service clocks. So you you for them you thought okay they're ready enough and they can help. Uh, maybe I guess they think that their pitching is not a problem, but Barrios can help them whether it's, it's the bullpen the even in the bullpen. You know. I know really and. Uh, and if they're thinking about service time, I don't. I don't think there's anything like easier to manipulate than a pitcher's service time. I just think about uh, what it's like uh, during the spring. You know, not during the during the beginning of the season. You can say, oh, well, his his uh, he's the fifth guy in the rotation. He doesn't come up until um, you know mid-April, so he's going to start in the minor leagues and, and come up. They do that all the time, yep. and you can say. Around uh, around the All Star game, you can say, "Oh, uh, we want him to stay on his uh, rotation." You know, we want to stay him on down the, for ten days. Yep. Send him down for ten days. Send him down for you know fifteen, and just say, "Well, there's two turns, and we're going to skip one." And and then all of a sudden, you've got September back right there. The first two weeks of next season, and even if you wanted to pitch him all season next year, you could take first two seasons of next, and then pitchers get optioned down, and their performance is so up and down that it's so easy to say. Uh, oh, we wanted to work on this thing down in the minors. Like you know? McCullers. When McCullers was sent out, it was, they, he gave him the perfect opening to do that because he'd gotten crushed and takes a 10-day reprieve down at, at AA. And there's no, there's no 
There's no like, oh, they're manipulating our service time when that one came out, right? No, but it so, would happen with a batter, like because like you're saying, with pitchers. If you send way- Chris Bryant down in the middle of the season after he's hitting like 20 homers, yes, people would be like, what? <laughs> yeah, or even Jock Peterson, who's in this. They already street. were like that. I don't think Chris. Uh, I don't think Jock Peterson necessarily needs to be. You know, would would uh, need to be sent down either. I don't know that that would be That'd the be best thing for him. That would so. be an interesting case. That would be an interesting case where people how people would talk about that. I would say he does enough with defense and on base percentage that like you know he's he's useful in the majors and you know I'm not sure what he's going to learn down in the minors. But that's that's right. Come uh, on, it. Yeah, that's that's probably the closest case. But I think it's way easier to manipulate a pitcher. Exactly. And and that's your point. And I'm surprised they're even this close in this race to begin with. So it's like that's geez. what's always baffled me is you know I buried them multiple times the twins and and they like I say they keep clawing scratching sticking in it Miguel Sano just hits, hits bomb after bomb after bomb uh, Eddie Rosario <laughs> dropping grand slams today they're pitching god awful and he remains down it is so baffling and again the the crux is the is the main point that you made that. Sano and Buxton are up. You decided it was okay for them. What's up with Barrios? It's so, so, so bizarre. Um, but, you know, we got to get into it. We've got some news, just some kind of quick hitter stuff here. And they're not even news necessarily. Some of it's news. Some of it's just performance. And then we're going to talk about uh, pitchers facing uh, IP limits, uh, innings pitch limits, as we hit the final month. Yeah, I wrote about it the last two days. And I just want to get your your thoughts on how you're handling some of the premium guys in your fantasy leagues, like what, what you advise folks do. Uh, and, and we'll discuss that. But let's start with the, the big news. Speaking of, you know, guys getting called up. This one was one that folks were waiting for, but again, there was never really an obvious fit, and there still isn't, but Corey Seager is finally up. Um, I think that you know, if they wanted to start his clock back in June and make the switch, as we've said, that would have been fine, but after a while, it got to the point where you're not going to start him as your everyday shortstop, so just wait till September, and now he's here. How much do you think Corey Seager is going to play? Because that's obviously, obviously going to determine how valuable he is uh, in fantasy. Yeah, well, you know, Jose Peraza's hurt. His hammy hurts, so he's out like two to three days. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't Turner? Justin have Turner a- had the most awkward slide on hand. Yeah. Does he? Does he? I mean, I, I think I know when he hurt it was when he did that thing at yes. second base. <laughs> yes, and uh, I don't think that uh, X-rays were taken on it. I think it's a, it's a pinky. I I saw a hand on Twitter earlier, so it's it, yeah. not that. Not trying to diminish it or whatever, but but it is a pinky. X-rays were negative, but but could have him, you know, miss a spot here and there where they just say, "Hey, give you a breather." They want uh, what I believe some term him as Ginger Jesus to be playing <laughs> when it matters most. I, I've seen that one around Twitter too. I can't recall exactly where I saw it to give full credit, but uh, yeah. So I, I guess with him having uh, being nicked up a little bit, Peraza out, that's going to open a few doors for for Seager. Uh, are we are we thinking just short and third, just third? What what's the scenario? Yeah, so you know, with with uh, with Peraza hurt and um, Utley Manning second, um, you know, Utley's got bone on bone degenerative knee condition. I don't know if they're committed to resting him or if he's going to retire at the end of the season or you know what you know how much life is left in them anyway, and they may just play him every day. So, you know, their their priority is winning games. I think. Um, I don't think that their priority is getting Seager a taste. So uh, I would say that the like the most likely is that he's here for short-term help, basically, 
um, while Turner and Peraza are hurt, and he'll play at third base, and he may play a lot early on because Peraza and Turner are hurt. But then, uh, and Peraza's not, I don't think, a great fit at third base. So I think basically you're waiting on uh, Turner uh, to come back. So if Turner's health outcome is fine, then in three to five days, you're going to have a little bit of logjam there, especially since Guerrero uh, can can go against lefties um, and, and Turner is is a capable third baseman. So all of a sudden you're asking, so let's let's ignore the first three to five days, but no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. That's really, I mean, he could go and hit three homes in three days and still when Turner comes back, you're still going to have, you know, an incumbent, a veteran, a person who's, who's shown over the last two years that he can hit for power and less risky than Seager and a team that's in first place. So I think he would go dwindle down to, you know, two starts a week after this week. So, so I, I'd say the over-under for him in terms of games started, uh, since there's like four more weeks after this, uh, and uh, I'm going to give him three to five in the first week, uh, I'd say the over/under for him is something like 14. So you don't necessarily need to rush out and try to get him. I mean, here's the thing: the, well, I mean, the, the reason no you, better, I was going to no say, better, like, the reason you can, model, you know? there's nothing else out there. Yes, that, I guess that's why. Because the the reason that you can still aggressively go after him is there's nothing else out there. You don't need to save fab for anything. So yes, obviously do that. But this is a good level setting of expectations because as great as Seager was in the minor leagues this year, an 829 OPS with 18 bombs and 545 plate appearances, he's not guaranteed to just play a bunch and dominate. Yeah. And here's a, here's a, here's a situation that I find I've, you know, I have leagues like this and I know there's some people out there and it's not the most common situation, but I'll cover it anyway. Uh, some in some leagues you can't keep a guy once they get past 50 uh, uh, plate appearances or 150 or something like that. Uh, there's a certain amount of plate appearances. You have a choice between having to call them up, you know, sure. uh, call them yeah. up to your major league squad or leave them on your minor league squad. I personally, unless you really need them, I would personally leave Seager on my minor league squad as long as possible because I'd much rather have Seager as a minor league keeper going into next year. Than have to you know push aside a major league keeper because I you know got you know 40 abs from him in in in, the, in September. That is a good point, and that does happen in a lot of keeper leagues that that have kind of offset minor league drafts. Um, I have an NL only league like that too, where there's a certain situation where you have to call them up or or just leave them down and and, and they stay down. So I, I do like that bit of advice. You know when I uh, when I move the qualification down to just a hundred and 30 plate appearances since the All-Star break. So definitely not qualified for the batting average title, if you will. Um, I got a top 10 hitter here who's going to who's going to surprise you. He's on the Washington Nationals. Do you want to guess who it might be? Well, I saw the rundown, so I can't. I'm no, that's true. You, you know who it is. Well, it's not Bryce Harper, <laughs> which would probably be everyone's guess. He's not in the top 10. It's Ryan Zimmerman. And... Um, you know, he's been on fire pretty much, again, since the break, a 10-23 OPS, but really just electric of late, uh, you know. And, and he didn't do all the good work in this in this 10-game sample, but his last 10 games, he's got a 13-46 OPS with seven bombs. Um, 
that's that's pretty ridiculous. 19 RBIs. I mean, he's on fire. Obviously, the the key component here uh, is health for Zimmerman, and you know maybe maybe this lends credence to if they'd had him all year, they might be better, and then they're going to extrapolate that, and all of a sudden keep Matt Williams. That'd be a terrible idea for them, but uh, they might do that. Where, where do you stand with Ryan Zimmerman? Not so much the rest of the way, because I figured just ride him while he's healthy. Obviously, he's, he's a high-quality player. But where do you where do you go with Ryan Zimmerman as a future play? Start, you know, 2016. He's going to be 31. He's going to be um, in his second season where he played fewer than, I guess, 120 games. Because even if he plays the rest of the way this year, he wouldn't get there. He's got 91, and he had 61 last year. Um, so you know, durability is a question with Zimmerman. How do you see him as a, as a hitter and a fantasy asset? Well, one thing that I think is nice to see in the numbers is that uh, not only has he uh, started hitting the ball harder. I mean, he, he when he was when he went down, he was hitting the ball about you know major league average in terms of exit velocity. It was right around uh, ninety, and even his peaks were you know below ninety five. He hasn't had a week since since he came back that where he averaged less than ninety five. So he's been among the leaders in bad exit velocity for batted balls, um, and uh, he's averaging close to 100 miles per hour on, on batted balls since uh, he came back. So, so he's he's spanking the ball, and it's not down into the ground because he before he left, he was hitting you know almost two grounders for every fly ball, and now he's got that back down to his career, more way more close to his career average of uh, one grounder for every fly ball. So I think he's like legitimately gotten healthy and. Uh, it's actually sort of amazing. It's hard percentage since he came back. 78% in July, 50% in August, 57% in September. So those, those are really high. I mean, like normally your uh, high is like in the 40s. So Yeah, like somebody in the 40s stands out. And, you know, he he has a se- – Charlotte, that's really annoying. He has a season of uh, – two seasons of 40 in the past, uh, two full seasons, 2012, 2013. So Zimmerman, that's been a part of his game. Actually, three seasons now I'm seeing. Jeez. Uh, he he can he can smash the ball. He hits the ball really hard. I didn't realize that he hit the ball quite that hard and with such regularity. But um, is he somebody? So what's what's his qualification going to be next year? First base only. That's going to be the tricky part, right? Because uh, yeah, 89 games at first base. He's not you know one game in the outfield. They're not going to go put him in the outfield. Charlotte, really please stop doing that. Um, so he's going to be first base only. He's never been a massive power threat. He does have a 30 homer season. But uh, average per 162 is is 25. What is that? obviously that hurts his value. So so how do you see him a second tier first baseman, or would you only put him at corner? How does that play out again? 31 years old for Ryan Zimmerman as well. The the uh, projections seem to suggest that uh, a full season of uh, of of his of his work would be you know 260. Um, I'm trying to do the math here real quick. Uh, like 24 homers, uh, no stolen bases, and then the runs and RBI depend on where they put him in the lineup, um, how his how his walk total. But he's been he's been actually very consistent when it comes to strikeout rate and walk mm-hmm. rate. So he's he's got a good set of skills in terms of getting on base. You know, he's a decent. Uh, at discerning balls and strikes, he, he's managed to keep his power better than David Wright. I mean, there was a time when we were discussing, you know, him versus David Wright, and they have the Virginia connection and all that. 
Um, he's managed to keep uh, his power high when in. Obviously, just as many health issues, or, or more or less. It's hard to sort of decide at this point. But um, I, you know, it'd be hard to project him into more than uh, 500 plate appearances given his his health. But at least he's at least he's ending this season looking healthy. Yeah. Whereas last season he just like never really, um, you know, never really looked any good. So uh, I, I think I would uh, feel most comfortable with him if it was a 15 team league as. You know, if I did, if I tried to have uh, basically um, where I tried to get like the 15th best first baseman and the, you know, uh, first or second or third best corner infielder. So if I, you know, decided to wait a long time and then did like a Duda Zimmerman um, situation, maybe an OBP or something. Yeah. Um, I feel pretty good about that. And uh, I might be able to you know, get a little bit more out of corner infield than some people and get a little bit less out of first base than some people and, um, you know, do well in the long run. But um, Here's I, the- I, I, I feel I feel a little bit iffy, like, depending on him as my first base. Yeah, sure. I, I don't think I could do it. Um, so that, that part is really going to hurt his value for sure uh, for Ryan Zimmerman as, as first base only. But here's the thing. Unless he continues to basically hit at the, the clip of his last 10 games for the rest of the month and into the first week of October, his OPS is going to end the season, you know, below, below 800. So he's not going to show up all, all that well when people are kind of doing their research. He's going to basically what I'm saying is Zimmerman's going to be pretty cheap and undervalued. So yeah. that, I do like people, him as a people will forget corner. this pretty especially if they, if they had one, one or two teams and they weren't paying attention at the end of the season. So yeah, I think he will provide some possibility for it being cheap. Yeah. Yeah. He could be a, he could be a sneaky quality corner. I want to talk about one of the guys from your favorite team, the Mets, uh, another rookie weird who's playing well this year, not, not quite getting the accolades of, of the others who are, who have been destroying it all season, but in 31 games, Michael Conforto has a 311 batting average of 396 OBP and a 567 uh, slugging good for 963 OPS, five homers, uh, 13 of his 28 hits have gone for extra bases, 13 walks, 20 strikeouts, looking really good. It's 106 plate appearances, but uh, what do you think so far of, of the 22-year-old Conforto? He's been hitting the ball hard, and he, he looks like a, you know, almost like a traditional, when you look at the numbers, he looks like a traditional pull lefty. And um, and you, and you think well maybe his his BABIP will go down um, and uh, and uh, his uh, slugging can stay high. But you know the other day he hit an oppo uh, homer that you know didn't didn't uh, leave the yard like eight rows deep and it might even have qualified as a just enough. But because it it, it cleared the wall by about two feet maybe. Um, but it made me feel like maybe these oppo numbers aren't set in stone yet and even though pull and oppo like tends to stabilize pretty quickly he looks like a pretty advanced hitter when i when i watch him and you know the plate discipline seems to suggest that so i wouldn't be surprised if this is sort of the first incarnation of of uh of michael conforto and that the next one um has a little bit more opposite field to him and and just as much line drives and he manages to keep the uh, batting average on balls and play above like three 10 or so 320 um and um you know that's that helps him survive a little bit of a slugging regression basically what i'm saying is i'm not sure exactly how how much power he has but i do think he's a disciplined hitter that will eventually hit the ball to all fields and uh 
I like what I see. Yeah, I definitely like what I see so far too. You know, we got to be careful. Sometimes these small samples for guys can can really uh, be over influential on their fantasy value the next year. I always think about that Brett Laurie season that he had, uh, where he had about 150 plate appearances, which isn't too many, uh, too, too different from what Conforto is likely going to end up with. And it looked amazing, but it was 150 plate appearances, and it, it feels it feels good because it's a it's a triple digit under the plate appearances, but that's still a very small sample. So yeah. um, even though there's a lot of good to like here, that power might be a little misleading with Conforto. Didi Gregorius uh, is dominating of late, and dominating is relative. I, uh, let's be clear. I mean, of, of very recent vintage, he's got some crazy, crazy streak going. But I'll just cut it off at, at the half there, and uh, he has an 8.26 OPS in the second half. And for, again, relative for Didi Gregorius, that's raking because he had like a 6.13 in the first half of the season, and he was looking like, um, you know, pretty completely worthless there. Um, you know, as as a glove first shortstop who wasn't that overwhelming with the glove. Uh, 619 was the number for the OPS in the first half. But now 816, or excuse me, 826 in the second half, you know, showing a little bit of punch, but uh, mostly batting average kind of stuff. What's the, what's the future outlook for Didi Gregorius? He is still just 25. He he only has one foolish season, a 404 plate appearance season under his belt. So what what kind of hitter are we looking at here? One that can ever become uh, mixed league relevant, say 12 teamers? I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> if you look at his Babbage by month, it's like 255, 254, 286, 352, <laughs> 345, 333. So, um, you know, and if you, and you look at the halves, it's 271 for the first half, 359 for the second. So, so, you know, it's nice to see that ISO at 123, but even ISO can be affected by Babbage. I mean, it's, yeah. um, you know, even though it tracks out singles, you can get lucky on doubles. So, uh, I don't know, man. I, I I I will say that in my score sheet league, where he's been a backup to Alcides Escobar, um, I've been, you know, I, I I eased him in as the starter um, against righties uh, at some point, and I may keep him over Alcides Escobar because, um, you know, there's possibly some upside and power beyond Escobar, and steals aren't that valuable in score sheet. And the defense is valuable, but that's why I mentioned that it's score sheet because it's you know his defense is valuable there. If, if his defense is not valuable to you, um, you know even with a hot streak, he's going to get lucky to hit ten homers or steal five bases. Yeah, and uh, it's just you have to if you compare that with like you know three thirty three batting average type stuff. But he doesn't really. I don't think he has the skills to have a three thirty three batting average. I mean his strikeout rate is much too close to normal and. Um, you know, he doesn't have like doubles power that might fuel, um, might fuel like a 340 Babbitt or something. So, I think uh, I think if you look at the career, like if you, yeah, career line or, or season line, uh, that's 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 pretty much what you can expect. I mean, it's not like he's super young anymore. At 25, you can expect a little more growth, but I don't know if you're expecting him to really, you know, take off from there. Explode. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I sold his defense a little short earlier when I said he was a glove first who wasn't playing that well defensively in the first half. He's grading out pretty well defensively, so at least by the metrics, better than than what I had thought because I know that uh, didn't look good last year when I saw him. Uh, and, and the few times I saw him this year, I didn't recall it looking any good, but uh Gregorius is is at least average as as a as a shortstop, and that's that's fine. It's the toughest position out there. Rather, rather have him than 
I'm Edder Owings. Oh God, yes, uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that would in, in a second for the defense alone. Even if they were equal bats, yeah, I would I would yeah. take him as an upgrade there for sure. Uh, last guy before we talk about these these young arms on on pitch limits. Jay Bruce has a zero WRC plus in the last month, and for some reason that's funnier to me than a guy with a negative. I don't know why. You know, I know sometimes, in, it, depending on what kind of sample you're looking at, the 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 WRC plus can actually be in the negative. But just a flat zero is pretty hilarious. And uh, Bruce has been an interesting case, and now I'm wondering what might have happened because uh, he was trending extremely well. And I realize that months are arbitrary cutoffs. But he was he was improving month to month from an OPS standpoint. So he was on an inward, uh, you know, plane there with his season hitting five homers in three of the first four months and only hit two in um, in May, but had a good good OBP to kind of make up for it. And then just fell off the map here in August and, and early September. 978 was his OPS in July, and then 477 last month, and just 333 in, in nine plate appearances so far. So he's been brutal now for a month plus. What's the situation with Bruce? Do you think this is an injury, or or what's going on? Because he was, he was on his way to a good season. I wouldn't be surprised if something's hurting because, you know, uh, a couple things. The ground ball fly ball rate went the wrong way. I mean, he's he's supposed to be a guy who hits the ball in the air. And uh, he the only two months this year where he's hit more than more grounders and flies has been August and September. So that's not good. And I remember him saying to me when his back knee was hurting um, that that made him hit over the top of the ball and, and hit ground ball. So that that suggests something. And then you know, the other part is, of course, that he usually is an asset in on-base percentage leagues. And, um, you know, he just – he went from, you know, 16% walks in March, 12% in May, 11% in June, 6% in July, 4% in August. It's not doing any has, damage. They're not afraid of him. Yeah, so – well, you know, I don't know. I mean, until August, his ISO was, uh, you know, like 250. No, 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 no. I'm saying in August. I was saying specifically yeah, yeah, in August yeah. where it jumped down to like 4%. That's pretty That's pretty wretched. No, no, no. He, he'd been great. That, 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 that's, that's why I'm suspecting something of an injury because uh, maybe great's overstating it, but for the first four months of the season, he was good. And he was, he was like I said, having a good season, 17 homers in the first four months. Looked like he was going to get into the mid twenties, and it was all looking great. And then it's just gone all to hell. And I gotta believe that there's an injury there, uh, because it, it's it's weird to just fall off the co- cliff completely like that. So that's what I think we're dealing with with him. If if you believe that to be the case, uh, is there a situation where you would cut him if 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 you saw a better option? Uh, let's say in like a ten or twelve team mixed league, or would yeah, you just ride it yeah, out? Most- in most batting average leagues at this point, um, you know, I think you'd have to be almost NL only, you know, for batting average league. Yeah. Because he's not yeah. gonna he's not gonna be an asset to you in those in those leagues. Um, oh yeah, he's swinging more too. That's weird. That's really weird. His swing percentage went up from 48 uh, for the season to 53 since August 1st. His reach went went from 30 percent to 37 percent. So. He's reaching, swinging, pulling the ball, and pulling the ball on the ground, which is really a recipe for terribleness. I, you know, these things, they're somewhat stable. I mean, supposedly pull rate and ground ball rate are the things that stabilize the quickest. Now, obviously, he's changed them since the beginning of the season, but if you look in 
you know, 150 plate appearance sample, which is supposedly stable, you know, he's, the, his performance has changed in those ways, and uh, they may not change back. So um, I would say that in most batting average leagues, I wouldn't own him. Uh, on base percentage leagues, I'm going to hold him and hope that he just stops swinging and at least gives me, you know, like an, uh, an empty on base percentage the rest of the way. That's um, fair. That's, that's fair. But yeah. I, I think you can. If he is actually hurt, they, they, you know, it's not like the Reds are, have anything to play for. So, you know, he'll get shut down. I think that, you know, that's the only thing that says to me that he's not hurt is that if he was hurt, he could just quit playing. That's true. He could. Maybe he doesn't want to, though. I don't, I'm, I'm serious. You know, they play through injuries, yeah, 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 yeah. even in even in down seasons. And then you hear down the line or maybe not even down the line, maybe just in the winter. Yeah. Uh, the knee gave out uh, July 27th and I was never the same, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know. It it, it would be crazy, but it, it could definitely be happening. All right, you know, let's talk about these pitchers here. And again, I want I want to get your take on what you're going to do with them. If you had them in leagues, I'm sure you have them in some leagues. And, and what you would do theoretically if you had them in a league where uh, in, for the guys that you don't have. And uh, it's just seven pitchers who I think are kind of the most critical uh, with regards to potential innings limits and how much they're impacting fantasy. And so we'll start with probably the most popular one. And, and you can offshoot to talk about the other Mets. But Noah Syndergaard's the one who has all the focus right now. Uh, Matt Harvey, too, to an extent. But uh, that number 180 has been kind of thrown out with him. Uh, that, but we haven't heard any number with with Syndergaard. It, it's been it's been kind of vague. And you know, we I talked about in, in the articles that I wrote. I talked about the plus twenty percent that you and I like to use, and he's already exceeded that based on last year for for Syndergaard. Uh, that would have put him at um, oh excuse me, he hasn't exceeded that just yet. That one sixty is what that would give him, and he's already got one fifty two. But he'll break it, you know, just in the, the next two starts, maybe in the next start itself. So. He's going to break that. The, the trick with the Mets, obviously, is that they they got to try to get him through October, too, assuming that they, you know, depending on how far they go. So they can't just expire whatever's in the tank here in September. They've got to be thinking about uh, the rest of the season. So I think he's the scariest one right now because uh, the Mets do not care one bit about our head-to-head playoffs or our roto ratios and strikeout races and uh, what, what, what have you. I think you need to make a plan. Where do you stand with Syndergaard? Because I think I think he's going to get shut down personally, or not shut down, but skipped enough to where he's not giving you uh, enough value. Yeah, I I guess I have a, a only a slightly different tweak on that, which is I you know the the Mets have stated that they have a plan for the entire rotation, and that um, they pretty much implemented it every step of the way and told people that this is this is part of the plan. Logan Verrett is going to. Spot start for Matt Harvey today. Yeah, they've and, got like a seven-man um, rotation with Matt's back. Yeah. So, but now, now that Matt's is back, they're, they they said it's six-man the rest of the way. Um, but you know, six-man plus they'll probably uh, find a guy to skip at the back back end of the rotation. You know, probably Syndergaard because Matt's is the guy who actually has the most in- innings. Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, beyond even Harvey. Yeah, Nice gets injured all the time. So I think Mats and Nice will make their starts from here on out, all of them. And um, Syndergaard, I think, you know, I think you could expect four starts out of Syndergaard is basically what I'm saying. I don't think he'll ever get shut down. It'll be very hard to own, um, uh, especially in head-to-head and stuff. And there may be a week where he doesn't get any starts. But I think in the end, 
most likely he gets one start a week the rest of the way. Yeah. So I, four or five, you know, whatever, however that works out. I, I think it will be closer to the four. They may shut him down the last week if they're in the playoffs. But, you know, they, these guys aren't in the playoffs until they're in the playoffs. So I think they're going to play. And I think that they're not going to be the Nationals where they, you know, they say Noah's not going to pitch for us in the, in the in the postseason or anything. They're not. I think that they. No, no, no. They're not they going to rather that. take advantage of that and, and 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 try to move forward. I mean, they they have enough depth where even if they did have an injury, they could uh, uh, they'd still have a five man rotation for next year. So, um, you know, I, I think Syndergaard is uh, scary, but not so much as I think the next one on the list is is scarier actually. Okay. Um, uh, maybe the talent that's... isn't as high, but. No, that's probably fair, and I think that's why I rate Syndergaard as the scariest because, yeah, I've got him for about 20 innings left. We don't know when they'll come. Hopefully there's some advanced warning, but, again, the Mets don't care about our fantasy league, so that, that's going to make it tough. Rysel but, I, but I, what I'm saying is what I'm saying – yeah, yeah. Rysel well, Iglesias, what I'm saying is that there's a little bit more warning with Syndergaard because they told us there's this plan. They said it's a six-man, basically. That's true, and I, I said that in the piece. I said if you haven't made the plan already yeah. – you know, you should be making the plans all summer. You do need to have a plan in place, some pitcher that you can rely on. But, but not that that this is not new. Uh, the the warning bells have been going off all year, saying that we're going to do something here. I'm just saying, if he was your ace, and you know, your other pitchers didn't work out, and he rose up as your ace, and you're thinking that you're going to have him head to head in the finale, you might not. But yeah, let's move on to Rysel Iglesias because he is a very tricky case. Because he didn't even pitch last year. Uh, and, and the last time he pitched a season was 83 innings in 2013. So we can't even figure any sort of measures that they're going off of with percentages uh, or anything like that. They said they have a number in mind, but they're going to kind of play it by the field sort of sort of bit with him. And if he's fatiguing, you know, they'll go from they'll go look at it from that standpoint. But. I agree with you. He's very difficult because they could just happen out of nowhere because they have no incentive to keep playing. It's very easy for them to just say, you know what? We had one tweak. He's done. Yeah. So uh, and, and Rosecrans with, uh, with, with Iglesias. Yeah, I asked Trent Rosecrans about about this you know, particular issue because I, I, I think Iglesias is going to be – I'm going to have – I'm going to be the high man on Iglesias next year in rankings. Um, I, I think he – yeah, I think he's shown everything he can show. Yeah, I mean he's 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 shown three legit pitches. He's he's ironed out a little bit of his you know velocity late in the game issues. He gets ground balls. He hasn't really shown homeritis. When I watch him, I like the, what he's doing. Um, you know, there's some inconsistencies. He's got crazy arm slots, but it's not quite on the level of uh, Reynas Elias or something. Or he's not an El Duque necessarily, but. Um, I, I think he's a he's a good pitcher, and um, you know, right now I'd be have a hard time owning him. Um, you know, beyond almost, I think you just have to treat him as a as a spot starter because, um, like you said, the, the, in, in the case of the Mets, there's a little bit more like we have a plan. Here's our plan. With the Reds, it's like we have a plan. We're not going to tell you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. and, and it fits with the with the whole thing about you know you mentioned see Trent Rosecrans, Brian Price, the 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 whole situation there about the media. They're not going to run out. You know, Price is not going to run out and start telling the media their full plan because how does that help the Reds? It doesn't. Um, <laughs> but that also, was the, but also the piece that the piece that Rosecrans wrote. They said we have things we're looking for in terms of fatigue and we haven't seen them yet. So yeah. I suppose that's the kind of stuff that we see um, uh, in our injury factors, which would be declining velocity, you know, beginning of the game too. Um, uh, 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 
declining zone percentage. Command, yeah, command issues basically. Uh, and the falling arm slot. The problem with the falling arm slot is that he has like he has like eight arm slots, whatever. <laughs> what I said, you know, he has he has a couple different release points. So uh, that'll be tough for us to track. They might have a better sense of um, when something's falling, uh, you know, for him. But uh, for us, I think we just have to watch velocity at the beginning of the game and uh, zone percentage maybe. But I, I think that it's almost like if you have Iglesias and he makes his next start and you need anything after that next start, go get it and try to get Iglesias back before his next start if he has one, you know? So I think that's how I would treat Iglesias. Yeah, as a, as a spot starter, I think it's fair. I, I gave him, I think, three or four more of, his, of, of the starts. It could just come at any moment. I, I could also see them giving him the full the full allotment um, if, if he is feeling great and if he, if he does continue to dominate too. That's the, the crazy part about it. And in the scenario that you're talking about where maybe you got to go get something else and you end up cutting him, somebody else picks him up and uses him, that part would – that would be really tough to watch somebody snake him back up uh, in a mixed league and then use him maybe to beat you in a finale. That would be crazy. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk Carlos Martinez. This is another one where the writing has been on the wall all year. So if you don't have a plan, it's really on you. I understand if you're relying on him and you don't want to lose Carlos Martinez. He's been fantastic. But – this is a guy who's been in relief primarily for the last two years. We just knew he wasn't going to be able to come out and make a, a 200 inning season, at least not all in the regular season, because they're also, you know, geared up to make the playoffs and they don't want to lose him for that. So they want to have some sort of plan. Uh, and they've talked about having a plan as well for, for Waka and Martinez. And we saw that plan enacted earlier this week when both were skipped. Now, Martinez has a little bit of a back issue, which makes it easier to skip. Waka was just a flat skip to kind of extend him there. But they, they, they are not going to have a hard cap uh, at all. And in fact, they kind of push back against that almost aggressively saying the other way of, of the Nats Strasburg thinking saying the potential win supersedes anything we have in place right now. That's a Matheny quote uh, from a Jennifer Langish piece at MLB.com. So, you know, if they need those games late, they're not going to go with Tyler Lyons over Carlos Martinez. If they're fending off the pirates to keep the division, they're going to go with their best guys. So from that standpoint, that could work out well. But if this back is an issue, he could get another one of those eight, 10 day hiatuses, where do you stand with Carlos Martinez, and how are you handling him? I mean, there's six games up. That's, uh, I mean, he's going to start Friday because it's against the Pirates. Yeah. But if he beats the Pirates on Friday, and Jaime Garcia goes on Saturday, and Jaime Garcia has been great when in, you know, he's great been unbelievable. Yeah. So I could see the the Pirates losing those two games. All of a sudden, it's eight games. Uh, even if they make it back to seven. Um, you know, at that point, how many more head-to-head matchups do you have? Uh, if they have like another three, then you have to make up four games to get to the game, get to the three-game series where you have to sweep them. So I think the Pirates are are in a in a wild card game, which is too bad because uh, they'd be leading uh, every other division except for the Royals one. That's crazy, and uh, that's a little bit rough. And, and I do think that makes Carlos Martinez risky uh, because they've also created a story in this case with the back where it's pretty easy to say, well, the back's acting up and, you know, they don't have to put him on the DL either. So you exactly. can't put the DL slot in your, on your team. So they'll just say, oh, he's going to miss his next one. And then you're like, oh, do I pick him up? Do I drop him? But he's so amazing. Uh, and, you know, I kind of had like a, almost like a fantasy situation with him. Uh, you know, I had a story to write this week. Uh, for ESPN, we, we ended up doing Jaime Garcia because we weren't sure that 
uh, Carlos Martinez was going to. Uh, so the, you know, the Jaime Garcia story is up today because um, we weren't sure that Carlos Martinez was going to make a start on Friday. So, uh, you know, and now I'm stuck with this Carlos Martinez story. Do I, uh, you know, do I, when do I write it? Do I save it all the way to the end of the season where, you know, is he going to get skipped? And then, so I, it's almost like fantasy, right? It's like, when do I make the most that's, use of this Carlos Martinez story? But, it's funny. You know, I, it's, I, it was. I've always thought that you always talk about the, your pieces. Like when we're talking off air about, oh, I have this, you know, you're, you're like maneuvering the pieces uh, as chess yeah. pieces almost. You're like, okay, I can deploy this one here because in three weeks I expect this prospect to get called up who I spoke to. It, it is kind of fascinating when, you, yeah. when you're working on that many <laughs> different things with guys. I mean, if something, I don't go get quotes from guys. So if, if my thing falls apart, I was going to write on some young pitcher and he, he craps the bed for nine earned runs. I just write about somebody else, but you did all the, <laughs> you know, you did all the stuff of sitting in there and having yeah. an interview. I, I spent 25 minutes on baseball reference and fan graphs looking at all of his stats. So yeah, it, it is very fast. I'm always fascinated when you're talking about how you're going to deploy the chips that you have. And now you yeah. have this great chip. When it, when, it, when it really works out, it's that Brandon Moss interview because, uh, you know, I, I talked to Brandon Moss like two or three days after he said he just started lifting uh, in his legs and he said he just, um, you know, opened up his stance to, to where it was before and he just made a change in his approach to the plate. There's three things that he was like, I feel much better now that I've done these three things. I talked to him that night and he hit, hit, hit one homer uh, before I talked to him. Um, and then he hit like another homer over the weekend. Then I wrote the piece and the night before I wrote the piece, he hit a walk-off homer and the day <laughs> I wrote the piece, he hit a homer and like, he's, he's on just fire. been like super on fire. And I was like, here's why. Um, so that, 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 that was the best. That, that was pretty nice. But, uh, uh, you know, even just about Moss for fantasy, because that's what we're doing here. Um, uh, you know, when holiday comes back, what I want to see is what happens at first base and if they play Hayward in center. So. Uh, if they play Hayward in center, then there's there's room for Moss to, to be useful going forward. And uh, you know, I still wouldn't play against lefties. But if they if they don't play Hayward in center, uh, you know, Moss and Piscotty are just you know you're gonna battle it out. And I, maybe Moss gets lucky and gets it into a normal platoon where it's you know Moss against lefties and and um, Moss against righties, Piscotti, Moss against righties and, and Piscotty against lefties. So yeah. Um, that's, that's the best case scenario for him. But, uh, for his worth, Moss loves playing first base. So if that does end up, uh, doing that, he might stay hot the rest of the way. Um, and, nice. uh, back to our story, Carlos Martinez, uh, he's too good to drop though. I mean, Rice Iglesias, there's at least a hint of, oh, he'll stay out on the wire and, you know, I don't know what will happen with him. I mean, Carlos Martinez, that's a roster spot that you just hope that you get three, four more starts out of. And uh, and you're screwed. Uh, you know you're gonna be screwed. You're gonna be waiting around. You're gonna be yeah. looking at it. You just gotta keep you're gonna be tapping your foot. Yeah. I, I even projected a random extended bullpen appearance like that one extra inning game where he had four four innings. It might not be a four inning appearance, but I, I think in the course of this, he'll be in one of those little mini hiatuses and he'll come out and give you know two or three innings out of the bullpen. And they'll Stay probably stressed out. yeah they'll probably be awesome and and strikeout loaded. So. Keep them in the lineup. If if you do daily lineups and you like to take out your non-starting starters, don't take him out, especially if you're trying to maximize, because those could be three of your remaining innings, and it might not sound like a lot, but you need all you can get out of this stud the rest of the way. We got three more guys. Uh, excuse me, four more guys to talk about. Let's start with Lance McCullers. He's another interesting case, I think, because he's so young. 
and uh, his previous high isn't even 100 innings, uh, 97 innings last year. So he's already well over uh, that. And in fact, he's five innings. Uh, he's only five innings away from a plus 20 percent. Excuse me. He's five innings over. Sorry, I had that wrong. He's already over five innings uh, of what the plus 20 percent would be. And yeah. again, another team that's that's faced with uh, the consideration of October. What, what, so, th- again, they don't give a crap about our fantasy leagues. I don't know what kind of innings we're going to get out of McCullers. I'm a little bit nervous about him, even though I love the talent. Yeah, and, the, and for them, the, uh, the, the, the risk is huge. I mean, they're the closest division. Well, I guess the Yankees are 1.5 back of the Blue Jays. But the Rangers are two games back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they really want to win that division. And, you know, uh, if, if there was any team that didn't follow a 20 or 30 percent, um, you know, guideline or didn't follow along with the rest of the, the, the league in terms of uh, uh, innings limits, I think it's probably going to be the Astros. I mean, they've got Mike Fast there, uh, you know, extraordinary pitch of pitch FX uh, guy yep. who knows all about Josh Cox's injury zone. So I'm sure that their plan is a little bit more like the Reds plan where it's like, we're monitoring. We've got you know, a, Yeah, we know what to look for. We're looking for. We're looking for specific things in the numbers, specific things in his arm slot, specific things about bite and velocity and this and that. We maybe even have sensors on him in workouts um, because that's you know that's part of the Marcus Stroman comeback um, was that uh, Marcus Stroman they they sort of m- you know managed the 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 stress on each part of his body with these biophysical. Um, you know, uh, you know this like bro that he wore this this little bra thing that he wore that like anyway it's a great story by Lindbergh but um, anyway uh, with McCullers I sh- I'm sure that it's it's the Iglesias story where and, and it's also the Martinez and Syndergaard story is too good to drop I mean there's going to be more names on our list that um, that you can you can sort of you know drop and, and hope that uh, either he doesn't help your opponent or you get him back this. This is not one of those names. McCullers, I kept through his minor league, uh, uh, you know, hiatus. Oh, I, yeah. Ditto. You know, this, this is uh, this is yeah, this is a this is a great pitcher who's made a big advance from last year, and who's the projections uh, aren't going to even give um, the right uh, the right love to. So, um, good luck. Uh, I, I think that yeah, I think actually of 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 the group, um, you know, twenty one year old. Uh, you know, whereas Noah Syndergaard has had forearm tightness issues, and uh, they've already talked about managing his limit innings, and they've already talked about managing Harvey's innings, and they're doing the six man and everything. Um, Lance McCullers was like, a, I think, a little bit more straight up, where they were like, "Well, we don't want him to go to like, you know, 220 this year." So yeah, uh, they gave him some time off, and um, you know, they're at this point, I think it's all hands on deck. Well, yeah, here's the thing, too. This is also a team that's done tandem starting in the minors. I could see him being on the back end of some tandem starts. Uh, I mentioned like a Brett Oberholzer Mm -hmm. or Dan Straley. They start, they go three innings. You bring McCullers in for three innings. So this is another guy. If you have daily rosters and you're prone to putting in relievers for your non-starting starters, he's another guy I wouldn't do that with because I expect some missed time, whether it's, you know, uh, time between starts sort of thing. 
But again, he could come oh, in and give you a nice surprise three, four innings. Yeah. Yes, and you got to have those. So don't take a guy like Lance McCullers out of your out of your lineup at any point. I don't think because again, unless you know something, unless they come out and say something. But uh, yeah, there's going to be some missed time because they I, they just can't run him ragged all the way through. But it's not going to be a shutdown. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was kind of the Lincecum super reliever in the playoffs for them. Uh, as well, maybe start in the division series and then in the LCS and beyond, uh, maybe as a super reliever. I don't know, but that's that's irrelevant to us on the fantasy landscape. We just got to get to the finish line. We got a few more guys <laughs> here. We got Taiwan Walker, who's having you know, who's kind of rebounded on his season. He was remember how brutal the the start to Taiwan Walker's season was. It was looking like an utter disaster. Uh, of a season for him got off to, you know, in fact, the bottom line numbers still don't look appealing. You look at a 4.51 ERA and some of you might be thinking, what, he's still not very good, but uh, he had an 8.13 ERA through his first six starts. That's going to put you in a big hole and kind of mask the fact that he has a 3.75 ERA in his last 21. And that's not even over the top special at 375, but it is useful. 121 strikeouts in 132 innings, 26 walks. He's had, uh, you know, ups and downs really, but more ups than downs in these last 21 starts as opposed to just pure down to start the season. So he's coming up. Uh, he's already passed what he's done recently for Taiwan Walker. How are you handling him? Again, we got another team that doesn't, they don't care. They're, 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 uh, they're not in it really, so they can just shut him down at a moment's notice. He's coming up against the plus 20, uh, about two innings away from the plus 20%. Taiwan Walker, are you hanging on to him? Do you think he's going to get shut down at all? Um, yeah. It's a, it's- his monthly splits are fascinating. I, I couldn't, I couldn't help but go to the production level because I think, I think it really is a question of production almost with Tyler Walker. It's like if he's not anything better than a spot starter, then we don't need to talk about how hard you want to uh, exactly to hold on, you know. And he's sort of borderline, you know. The uh, the ground ball rate has been up and down a little bit, and um, the infield fly ball rate has been up and down. He's a very, very interesting guy. I, the strikeout rate is down in August. Um, but finally the home run rate is, is manageable. I mean, he gave up way too many home runs, even in the good stretch. Um, and, and the good stretch was really good between May, June and July. He struck out a batter per inning and he had above average walk rate, but he still gave up, uh, you know, like 1.5 homers per and nine. several multi-homer games. It, when it rains, yeah. it pours. Yeah. So I, I, I think he's improved his command with a couple of the, the pitching mix decisions that he's made. Um, you know, he, uh, I think he, he was throwing the, well, now he's throwing the cutter more uh, again, but uh, there's something about his uh, four seam and sinker usage or something. Yeah. I think he was trying to sinker at first and then, uh, yeah, at the beginning of the season, he was throwing some sinkers and it, it wasn't good for him. So I think uh, concentrating on the four seam has been good for him. And, um, and uh, that's helped him, Somewhat, but I think he doesn't have natural good natural command, and that's that's what we see he's in got, the numbers when we see him give up homers. And uh, he's got five starts left, I, uh, five turns left. How many of those do you think he makes? Uh, you know, he had last year. He had 111, 116, 120, 130 innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's at 160 over 130. He's at, he's at 153 after 129 last year. Now, the, the, the piece I found 
says that uh, they estimated for him a rough uh, 175 inning cap based on on kind of the way they work their numbers in Seattle. That would almost get him there. That's 22 innings left, uh, probably good for about three-plus starts, and he's got five turns. I think if he's pitching well and we're not seeing signs of fatigue, that sort of thing, after these three three starts, then the fourth and fifth starts, I, I think they'll give them to him. But I, I do think it'll be more of a performance-based thing like you're talking about, where if he's pitching poorly, first off, we don't care, but also the Mariners will probably just say, oh. uh, we'll scrap it. No, I actually, I think they're in cover your ass mode. Um, I think that, uh, I think I'll disagree on this one because they, they fired their GM and they don't necessarily have a, a, a GM in place uh, that wants to uh, be responsible for uh, Taiwan Walker's injury. Um, so if they said at any point that it was 173 innings or something, 175 innings, I think it'll be a hard cap. Oh, I think okay. that because... They don't have anything to play for. Yeah. And they don't even have a GM that can make this kind of decision, you know? So That's fair. I accept that. I think everyone would be looking over their shoulder and being like, well, what do we do now? And that's then, three uh, starts then. That's, that's three yeah. starts. And uh, if they're all in a row, then, then, then you know you're going to be without them for those last couple of weeks. If they spread them out, that's probably more of a nightmare scenario. Um, and I don't think that they, they get any use – like spreading out is the kind of thing you do if you're the Mets and you're trying to keep them with yeah. you to the playoffs. And, I think they'll and, just and, go bang, 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 and then and then shut it down. Then if that if they are going to do a hard shutdown, it's just going to be three in a row. Who cares about getting him to the finish line? He can stay with the right. team the rest of the month. It's not like he goes home. He'll stay with the team th- through the end of the month. But uh, right. okay, that that that's fair in terms of the the what you present as to why they would listen to the 175 firmly i can accept that uh we got two more guys to talk about one uh, on opposite ends i think one definitely being shut down the other probably not being shut down let's start with joe ross uh, i can't see any way that he's making it to the finish line here they're talking two starts uh, about they the, the nats talk about a plus 25 percent cap which would give him 153 innings. That leaves eight innings left. I, again, I can see two starts unless they uh, unless they desperately need him, unless Roark comes in and maybe gets pounded. I, I don't even know then. I, I don't think that they're going to push Joe Ross too far. Do you, do, what do you see on – How many innings do you say they, they give how many innings do they, they give him? They do a – Oh, plus, a 25% increase? Yeah, they do a plus 25%, mm-hmm. which would be 146 um, and he has 143. No, so but he, he got – last year he got – Oh, I see. Yeah, last year he got 122. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't push him in uh, San Diego a little bit more last year because uh, 2013 he had 122. So he could have he could have had a couple more innings with San Diego. Maybe he had an injury or something. But um, uh, they, didn't, they didn't push him as hard as they could in San Diego. And, um, yeah, that, that would have given him more innings this year. And uh, we know that the we know the Nationals uh, are are willing to uh, to go to a they'll shut cap, down so. much better pitchers than Joe Ross. Not that he's not yeah. he's been great, but they'll shut down uh, ace pitchers. So the, 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 they're going to shut him down. That's what I'm saying. You're n- you're not going to get the full complement of his uh, of the turns for Joe Ross. I think you've got two starts. Um, so you got to have a plan ready. He's he's leaving your rotation, and and he's been crushed a little bit by th- three very good teams of late, all on the road: the Dodgers, Giants, and and Cardinals. And I'm not excusing it. I mean, it's just good teams 
are beating the young pitcher on the road. He needs to figure out how to beat quality teams away from home. So the ERA is at 350, so you might not think you're missing too much, but he's two stri- oh, he's good, one though. strikeout away from a strikeout per inning and a 107 whip. So you're still getting a lot, even though the, art- the ERA is a little bit artificially too high, I think. He looks like exactly like his brother to me. I mean, uh, the changeup is just as bad. Um, he doesn't quite have the same velocity. Uh, but he's younger, and I think he could actually, you know, normally you don't put on velocity, but he could be a little bit bigger. His brother's bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, there, there's a little chance that he actually, it's like basically his brother, you know, Redux. So I have no uh, problem I, with that. That's the you know, I, pitch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's weird. It's weird because it goes against what we've said. Uh, and I do think that it'll make it hard uh, in terms of uh, busting platoons and having wide arsenals and all that stuff. I I think it will make it hard on them in terms of longevity in their career. I mean, if you looked at the struggles that Tyson Ross had this year, to some extent, it was because he became uh, a little bit more predictable and people just stopped biting on the slider because, you know, he has two pitches and, you yeah. know, I'm going to stop biting on that. So I think, in, in essence, one of Ross's responses was to vary the speed on his sinker to the point where his sinker it itself was almost a changeup. I saw him in one at bat throw a 96-mile-an-hour sinker and a 91-mile-an-hour sinker, and, you know, Maybe it was maybe the 91 mile an hour one was a changeup, but he says he doesn't throw a changeup. So I think he's finding a way to mix and match his his fastballs. At least he's like working at it. it, right? And and Joe Ross, uh, he may do it. He has he's throwing the, the changeup more than Tyson ever did. So maybe he'll either improve the changeup or um, you know find find a grip he likes or something. Um, but either way, those guys. They're always gonna. There's always gonna be a little whiff of, of something about them, and uh, in this case, it's the shutdown. In the future, it may be uh, predictability, uh, velocity loss, uh, you know, lefty teeing off on them, command stuff. He, he's but had some. He's shown some. I don't think I'd ever them, I never want them to be my fantasy ace in a dynasty league, or you know, like I would get really nervous about that. I, but I like them as. You know, I got Tyson Ross this year for for a fairly good price. So uh, in a in a twelve team uh, dynasty, so I feel good about that. But uh. yeah, he did not disappoint. You know, he had a pretty good season, all things considered. Um, you know, he almost flipped uh, for Tyson. He almost flipped his season from last year. He had a two eighty one ERA and a three twenty four FIP last year. This year, he's at three twenty seven on the ERA and two eighty seven on the FIP. So you know, uh, two very similar years, uh, or, or, or two. I guess they're a little bit different, but overall, they're both very good. It's just uh, maybe it was a little bit uh, luckier on the ERA side last year and a little bit unluckier this year. But you're not you're not sneezing at either with all those strikeouts. The whip's a little bit of an issue for him. That's where his brother has him licked at least this year with uh, that two sixty seven Babbitt giving Joe Ross that one hundred seven whip. All right, last guy on is uh, Luis Severino, and everything I found said there is no limit. Uh, I found a piece f- from when he first came up, found a piece from today, both of which have said, nope, he's got gas in the tank. This was our trade acquisition, as we always you know, kind of said, and, and he's going to keep going. So I think you can proceed with confidence here. I'm going to take them at their word. They've got the bullpen so that he can go five or six innings at a time, and they don't really need him to do much more. Yet, if he's rolling, I'm sure they'll let him do it. Um, where do you stand on, on Luis Severino, another young guy, but uh, who, who, for all intents and purposes, doesn't seem to have any sort of limits? You know, I did a piece on on uh, the rookie jitters when he came up, and I found that uh, you know between the first and fifth inning of your of your debut start. 
the average pitcher lost a mile and a half of velocity. So there was that, that was the, what I called the kind of rookie debut effect or the, the adrenaline effect. And um, he didn't have that. So he came up throwing 96 and in the fifth inning, it was 96. And in the fifth start, it was 96. So this guy, you know, he's got the velocity. There's no sign of, of decline. Um, the, the options for the team are pretty bad. The only thing that they could do is try to stretch him uh, by kind of going to a six-man with CC uh, when CC's knee is 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 okay. But uh, the news on CC is that he may not come back this season. And uh, and at this point, with the homers that he allows, it may be that Adam Warren is a better situation um, if they want to to stretch Severino, but. Um, I'll defer to their own words in the matter. I think you do want to see, you know, at the very least, we're watching him or we're looking at him before you get nervous. So, I mean, he's a Severino is a is a young man with a lot of gas. And, you know, the only the only question with him is like the the the, the aren't great. Um, and you know, I think what is of great? all the guys, maybe Joe Ross, the mechanics. Oh, okay. The mechanics, I don't think, are that great. No, and he's true. a bit of a he's a little bit like Joe Ross uh, and the Ross brothers in terms of you know um, not really using his lower half and kind of just throwing with his arm. And um, you know, with Carlos Martinez, you know, my piece on Martinez, part of it's about how um, Pedro Martinez improved his mechanics. And um, I think even Lance McCullers has improved his mechanics recently. Um, you know, Syndergaard's mechanics, I think, look okay. Uh, Taiwan's a little bit, uh, Taiwan's a little bit more of the arm-throwing kind of weirdo. Um, some of these guys I'd be more careful with than others. I mean, I don't, don't think that, I don't necessarily think that innings limits are the way to go. But at the same time, I don't think I would take a guy out of college, especially if he was kind of an all-arms guy uh, who threw tons of sliders like a Ross, right? I don't think I would take that guy and be like, okay, you threw 100 innings last year in college, just go at it and throw 200 and throw, you know, thousands of sliders, you know? Yeah. I mean, for honestly, for a Ross, they throw almost 50% sliders. It's like by the end of the season, that's 1,500 sliders. That's crazy. You know, and they and, and in college, they probably threw their change up more. And That's just the ones know, that are counted too, by the way. Obviously, none of the, none of the practice ones, whether they're in a bullpen session or, or warming right. up. Right, and that's a big deal difference between college because in college – you know your your practice is very different. You play once a week, uh, and you're and you're not you know you're not throwing the same stuff in bullpens. Sometimes you throw only fastball bullpens and all that stuff. So, um, you know, there's a lot. You know, college is such a different different thing. I I can't imagine. You know, some people are like, oh, you sound like you know, uh, you you never you you haven't seen that there is no boogeyman. So you you know you got to believe in the boogeyman. Uh, that's not exactly what I'm saying. It's, I think that there, you know, there's enough people like Paul Goldschmidt told me that the college game is physically different, you know, demanding it's physically different. Paul Goldschmidt told me he had to change his entire workout regimen in order to become a better pro player. And we've seen, you know, the reports on Paul Goldschmidt coming up saying he's fat, he's slow. Well, you know what he said? I wanted to be powerful in college and be powerful once a week. And the best way yeah. to do that was to be kind of fat and slow. I mean, to be as big as I could and just hit the ball hard. When I got to the pros, I said, "Oh my God, I gotta, you know, play defense every day. I gotta, I gotta play every day. I gotta bounce back. I gotta, you know." So then the priorities became different. It became about 
what he was eating and how he was working out every day and you know how much he could bounce back and what he could how he could keep his weight on but not get too heavy during the season. So I think that's exactly the same thing with the pitcher. It's like, man, it's not the same game. It's not. You know, you're really going to just take a guy out of one game and just stick him. I mean, I uh, I don't know if 20% is right. And, and you know, I've had an argument with someone where they said, that's cover your ass stuff. You know, well, everyone's just agreed. You know, everyone's just agreed that there's going to be some sort of limits and you're going to cover your ass by, by calling it 20%. Um, I mean, like... Honestly, if a guy like Aaron Nola was close to the uh, was close to his limit of twenty percent, I'd let him blow by it in a second. Um, to me, he has good mechanics. He doesn't throw a breaking ball thirty, forty percent of the time. Uh, he was, you know, he was of all the college guys, he was a college guy that played late into the season, so he had more innings than most college guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Aaron Nola, no, I don't, I don't necessarily think. I mean, you need to worry about twenty percent. But a guy like Joe Ross, uh, I mean, yes, he's been playing pro ball, uh, but how long has he been playing it, and um, how ready well, is he for he pro pro ball? Yeah, you know, he, for ha- major ball. he hasn't even gone beyond 120 innings in either, uh, you know, of his two full minor league seasons. So no, I think I think the case that you put is is completely fair, and and it has to be case by case. You know, we we use the 20 percent as a guideline. Because that's what some uh, some teams do, or or twenty five percent. I found different things. Some teams said twenty five to thirty innings, no matter what, which obviously can have some issues uh, on either end of it. You know, if you're if if you only threw thirty innings the year before, and you're adding thirty thirty innings, you're doubling. I mean, that that's obviously an extreme case. But yeah, you know that that was a team that I think it was Seattle with regards to Taiwan Walker, where they said 25 to 30 innings is, is usually what they like to do. Other teams, 25%. There's no one size fits all. It has to be player to player based on, on their experiences and what's going on with them. That's what makes this so difficult. It's a very difficult part of the season to manage your young pitchers. And we have so many making such a high impact, making it even more difficult, but hopefully uh, we've been able to help you with that. You know, we got a long weekend, Labor Day weekend. I hope you have a good one. We'll be back on Tuesday. Until then, take care. Yes, thanks for listening.